Hello and welcome into Two Dogs, a Guy, and a Movie podcast. I am Chris Hancock. I'll be the host of your show, and this is the maiden voyage of our podcast. Uh, the two dogs I speak of, I have a two-year-old pit mix named Mosby and a one-year-old pit mix named Luna. Uh, there is a good possibility that you will hear them in the background at some point, either playing or barking or running through the door uh, to make sure I know that they are around just in case I had forgotten I have named them executive producers of the podcast. I like to give them a job so they feel like they have a task to achieve. Uh, Neither one of them is actually aware that they are executive producer, but I still gave them the title just to make them feel good about themselves. So basically how this came about is I signed up for MoviePass, which if you're not aware is a... service where you can pay a monthly subscription fee and you can go see as many movies as you want in that month for that price. You can't go see the same movie twice, which some people are upset about. I still think it's a great deal, uh, and that's really kind of the more important part of it to me. So I decided since I was going to watch so many movies, I might as well do something with it, and I decided I'd share my reviews, my opinions on the movie with you all. Uh, Just to see if anybody gave a damn. Uh, I'm going to try and make it interesting. I like to think I'm an interesting guy. We'll see if I can make the movie opinions interesting enough for you to tune in and listen to. So for the first movie out of the gate, I went with Solo, which is obviously part of the Star Wars franchise. It's directed by Ron Howard. Originally, it was supposed to be directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, but they were removed from the project, and Ron Howard stepped in to take over. It is the sixth most expensive movie ever made, so they are definitely hoping that the box office numbers pick up kind of been a rough outing for them so far obviously disney owns the star wars franchise and i feel like it's kind of evident with how they approach han uh in in solo he's got a little bit of an aladdin feel to it a little riffraff street rat i don't buy that mentality going on where he's got a scam his way and steal his way to survival but instead of a genie he's got a wookie which is cool no wish granting powers but uh, a lot of extra hair just in case you need extra hair and also if you're familiar with han solo and any of the other star wars movies you're aware that he ends up with a princess so you have a streetwise teenager con artist who ends up with a princess i'm just saying it sounds a little bit like aladdin Uh, not too big of a surprise with it being disney i don't know if they intended for that to be the case but that's how i took it uh solo uh han is played by alden ehrenreich Uh, i think i'm getting that right I doubt he's going to call and uh, correct me. But he plays Han. I think he's supposed to be about 17 years old in this film. He's a very streetwise kid. And he has just ripped somebody off and, and fled the scene. And he's gone back to the 
kind of orphanage place that he stays and met up with his girlfriend Kira who is played by the lovely Emilia Clark obviously famous from Game of Thrones and she does a fantastic job in this movie a couple of problems I have uh, with her character but we'll get to that later so Han had obtained some coaxium which is a very powerful fuel is very expensive and it will give them the opportunity to get off of Corellia which is their home planet. They're very poor there. They don't have their own freedom. So they want to escape. And so they go through with their plan. It's going well until it doesn't. And uh, Kira is captured by uh, some people pursuing her. Han is able to escape, and he vows that he will come back to rescue Kira, and they can escape and have their freedom and live happily ever after. In his immediate attempt to achieve this goal that he has just set, he signs up for the Imperial Navy because he wants to become a pilot. It's been a lifelong dream of his to become a pilot, and he figures if he can get his own ship, he can come back to Corellia and save Kira. Except for three years later, he has been kicked out of flight school for insubordination, and he is just an infantryman in the Imperial Navy, so he has not really progressed in his goal to save Kira. As a result, he's looking for a way out. He runs into a guy named Tobias Beckett, who is played by Woody Harrelson. He thinks he's got a way out until Tobias turns him in uh, for being a deserter and Han is thrown into a pit with a seven foot tall hairy thing by the name of Chewbacca. He's actually played by a uh, seven foot tall former professional basketball player. So as Han is in the pit and meeting with Chewbacca and by meeting I mean about to become a snack for Chewbacca, he speaks Wookiee, and Chewbacca and Han are able to have a conversation and plan their escape. So they escape and join back up with Tobias, who upon seeing the fact that they have so much resolve, they were able to to escape the pit, decides to let them join their team. Their team consisting of Tobias Beckett, Val, who is played by Tandy Newton, who uh, also plays Maeve in Westworld, which is uh, another fantastic production. She does a really good job in that show, and I think it was a wonderful job on the casting director's part to cast her in this movie. Uh, Also, part of the crew is a multi-armed alien character uh, voiced by John Favreau. So that makes up the crew that Han and Chewbacca now find themselves a part of. Chewbacca, by the way, we do find out is 190 years old when Han and Chewie meet, which uh, I think is pretty old for a Wookiee, but I'm not entirely sure how old a Wookiee gets. Sounds old, though. As they join the group, they are informed that there's a mission that Tobias and the rest of the crew are trying to achieve, and it's going to pay a lot of money, and Han and Chewie will be able to buy their own ship and get their freedom and go about their merry way across the galaxy. So they go to achieve this mission, which is stealing a load of previously mentioned coaxium. And so they're on their mission, and everything's going fairly close according to plan 
until a group of cloud riders uh, led by a character named Infus Nest shows up and spoils the whole the whole shebang and things don't go well val dies the the multi-armed alien rio durant dies and there's an explosion of the coaxium upon the explosion uh, tobias informs han that he is actually been hired by dryden voss played by paul bettany dryden voss is part of a organization known as crimson dawn uh, and he is not a very nice guy. Tobias knows that they're kind of in some deep crap as far as uh, not having the coaxium. So they go to meet up with Dryden. When they do, uh, which, by the way, Dryden is constantly on a yacht, uh, a space yacht that he travels around in. So when they go to meet Dryden, Han actually runs into Kira, thus ending the need for a ship to go to Corellia to save her. Except for it's kind of obvious she's currently on this giant space yacht uh, against her will. And it turns out she's actually the first lieutenant to Dryden Voss, and she is a part of the meeting as Tobias Beckett tries to explain why it is they don't have the coaxium and how there was an explosion. And as Dryden does not care to hear the excuse and tells Chewbacca and Han and Tobias that pretty much their time is up, Han comes up with an idea to go and secure some unrefined coaxium and then take it to be refined. And Dryden Voss agrees to this plan, and he decides to send Kira along with Han, Chewie, and Tobias. So here we are with two exes that haven't seen each other in three years in a galaxy far, far away with a Wookiee and Woody Harrelson. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Well, quite a few things. But before they can go wrong, they're going to need a faster ship. And it's suggested to go to a fantastic smuggler and my favorite character in the movie, though I was biased going into it because I am a big Donald Glover fan, Lando Calrissian. Lando is a smooth-talking, card-playing smuggler who happens to have a very fast ship called the Millennium Falcon, uh, which he won playing cards. So when Han finds this out, he decides that maybe he can also win the Millennium Falcon in a game of cards. Unfortunately, things do not work out for Han the way he was hoping, 
and they are forced to give up 25% of the profits they're going to make in order to secure the ship that Lando has. The other thing they secure is Lando's sassy droid L3, who is very much in it for droid equal rights, and that displays itself in a multitude of hilarious ways. Uh, An interesting fact, when they encounter Lando and L3, uh, there is a droid wrestling uh, match going on, and the manager of the droid wrestling competition going on is actually an actor named Clint Howard. That's uh, Ron Howard's brother, and he's been in uh, over 200 movies. Uh, He's uh, always a character actor. Just a little fun factoid to throw out there. Um, So now that they've got a ship, they've got to go and they've got to secure that sweet, sweet, unrefined coaxium. So to do that, they got to go to a planet called Kessel. When they do, things don't go quite as smoothly as they're hoping. Uh, L3 takes quite a bit of damage and is uh, rendered dead by uh, droid standards. And that leaves Han to be the pilot of the Millennium Falcon, which is a uh, is a turning point in the Star Wars franchise. It's actually the first time that Han takes control of the Millennium Falcon, which, as uh, anybody that's seen movies four, five, six, and seven knows, the Millennium Falcon is Han's ship, uh, which is uh, explained later on in this movie. So as Han takes control of the Millennium Falcon for the first time, uh, L3's uh, navigation system is uploaded into the ship and helps them escape Kessel and a big giant gravity whirlpool. It's a a whole thing. Uh, But they escape that and they go to a planet called Savarine, which is where they've got to take the unrefined coaxium to become refined and be able to turn it over to Dryden. The thing they are unaware of is that there's a tracking beacon on their ship and Infis Nest and the other Cloud Riders have been following them and they also have arrived at Savarine. Things come to another showdown except for this time there's some uh, diplomacy involved. Infis Nest explains to Han that they're trying to get the fuel in order to help the rebellion and help fight against the Empire. And Han decides that he likes this uh, this motivation a lot more than what Dryden Voss and uh, Crimson Dawn are going for. Uh, so he tells Tobias Beckett this plan that he has in order to help emphasize. And Tobias is not a fan of the plan. He decides to walk away because he doesn't want to die trying to pull off this plan. So that leaves Han and Kira and Chewbacca to kind of take care of things and figure out a way to deliver the coaxium to Dryden so that they don't die or get hunted down. But they also want to help the Cloud Riders. So they're in a little bit of a pickle, but they have a plan. And so they let that plan go through. As the plan plays out, tables turn, certain people have the upper hand certain times, other people have the upper hand other times. A lot goes down. It's a it's another whole thing. It's at this time that you kind of realize how how deep in it Kira actually is. Han 
obviously had fought for the past three years of, uh, of his life, joined the military, tried to scam his way and, 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 and work his way and, and figure out a way to get back to her. And she just wouldn't accept the fact that he would still accept her if he knew all the things she had to do to survive. Since she decided she was not about that life with Han, she's forced to make another decision. Obviously, there can't really be a spoiler too much to this movie, considering that if you have any idea of what's going on in the Star Wars universe, you know that Han and Chewie are kind of around for a while. Anytime they're in some sense of peril, you don't have to sit on the edge of your seat or dig your fingernails into any uh, armrest or anything. You can kind of sit back and just enjoy. My only real beef with the movie is uh, there's an appearance by Darth Maul, which uh, again I will I will state I am not I am not a Star Wars uh, expert. I will never claim to be, but Darth Maul died in Phantom Menace and so if we're to believe that Darth Maul died in Phantom Menace and that we're still on the same timeline that would make Han about 20 with Darth Maul still alive and Darth Maul was still alive when Anakin was just a little boy so we're talking about after Darth Maul dies another like 14 years passing before Anakin slash Darth Vader can father Leia and Luke. So we're looking at Han being about 34 by the time that Leia is even born. And then we're looking at another 18 to 20 years before they even meet. So we're getting into a scenario where we've got Han looking at social security, maybe a retirement, you know nice little house in the mountains and uh, Leia who is looking forward to her uh, 21st birthday and they uh, they gonna get together I just find that a little bit weird now maybe I'm being a little harsh to a franchise that had some brother sister love between Luke and Leia at some point Uh, and maybe I should just be grateful that it's gone on from incest to just big age gap between two people so you know uh, progress I suppose there apparently is a uh, an explanation to why Darth Maul is in the movie despite the fact that everybody is under the impression he is dead now you wouldn't know this explanation from just watching Star Wars movies but apparently in some of their animated movies or series that they've done, they brought Darth Maul back to life. Uh, essentially, he didn't really die. He was able to use his Force powers and, uh, his, and focus on his hatred to save himself. And as a result, he has apparently had this whole other life in the animated Star Wars universe. Uh, Apparently, they decided to cross over into the animated universe for part of this movie, and so they added Darth Maul back into the the movie. So that would kind of clear up the timeline, uh, the the age of Han at the the time of uh, Leia's birth. Uh, obviously could be quite drastically different. So I suppose I have reason to not be upset 
over the age difference given that there is uh, some sort of explanation to why Darth Maul appears numerous years after his supposed death. I'm just not going to spend the time to watch a bunch of animated Star Wars stuff to know the Star Wars universe well enough to have picked up on that. I think I'm actually fine with the fact that I got upset. I feel justified. Overall, I did think it was a, a, a very entertaining movie. Uh, two hour and 23 minute runtime. Pretty action packed. Uh, not a lot of downtime, a little bit of love story, a little bit of drama, pretty much just uh, a lot of fast pace going all the time. Some lasers, some stormtroopers, some flying things like that keeps you keeps you awake. It's just a really enjoyable thing to uh, to sit back and relax and enjoy. I'd say on a uh, on a five star scale, uh, I'd say. Three and three quarters to, to four stars. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not gonna grade it on uh, how it stands up to Star Wars canon. I'm I'm not here for that. There are some references to the the canon. If you know it, you'll you'll pick it up. Destroyers being built and things like that. Just other things that go on. Definitely think it's worth seeing. Alden Ehrenreich. I uh, do think he did a a, a good job playing Han. Uh, I think it's a difficult task to have to try and reinvent a character that's so established and also having to portray a character made made famous by uh, an actor uh, with such a stature as Harrison Ford, especially when you're trying to play that character to people that grew up watching Harrison Ford and other movies and things like that and have their their opinions on it. I myself am a big Harrison Ford fan, especially of the Indiana Jones trilogy. Uh, we're not going to discuss the fourth movie, as I just have to say, if Shia LaBeouf gets involved with Indiana Jones, it is time to shut it down. Let's go home. So I was also very pleased with how Donald Glover portrayed Lando. Apparently him and Billy D. Williams uh, hung out I think that kind of showed, I think that Donald Glover did a good job in the way he delivered some lines uh, and played the role, uh, really did a good job of bringing that character back to life. I'm not surprised that he and Billy D. Williams got together. That I, I, I kind of figured that would be a no-brainer. And so I did, I did think that Donald Glover did a good job doing that. And again, Alden uh, did a good job of bringing out young Harrison Ford. They apparently did bring in a acting coach to help Alden, so the, that could have played a role into it, obviously. But nonetheless, I do think he pulled off the, the job quite well. So I am going to try and get to another movie over the weekend. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is calling to me. If you were a child in the 90s, I feel like you uh, you have some special desire to always love Jurassic Park. Maybe not the third Jurassic Park movie as much, but I do think Chris Pratt being part of the uh, franchise has done a good job of bringing it back. I'm excited to see that, and obviously I will turn around and give you my opinion on it and kind of let you know what goes on in it. Um, you know, I am going to try and avoid spoilers uh, as much as possible, you know, but I do want to break down the movie and kind of give my opinion and you can always shoot me an email and let me know what you think of my opinion or let me know of a movie you want me to check out or anything like that um 
that email to dogsaguy at gmail.com. And like I said, just feel free to shoot me any questions, suggestions, anything like that. But I do look forward to bringing you a review of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, anytime you've got a franchise that will show you a gigantic T-Rex eating a lawyer off of a toilet, you gotta know that you've got a winner. Um, so I do look forward to breaking that down for you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, this is the the first time out, so we'll uh, you know we'll get better at this. Things will get a little bit smoother. Uh, again, thanks for joining us and taking the time to listen to this podcast. I'm Chris Hancock, and thanks again. <laughs>